Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon podcast, Season 2, Episode 8. Did you know our family has tacos on most Sundays? Also, I recently learned my kids have sweet memories associated with certain children's books we've read throughout the years, and sometimes they read those same books to their children. Some things we find ourselves doing may have no particular purpose. It's just the way we've always done them. They have become traditions. During the holidays, there seems to be an abundance of family traditions. One tradition our family loved was Christmas caroling. My husband and our children all had great voices. I was much more comfortable keeping rhythms on claves and playing the djembe drum or sitting on my cajon in the back, enjoying the fun. Anyway, after we decided what we'd be singing, we'd discuss who we thought would enjoy a visit that year. Each person in the family would make suggestions. The suggestions ranged from a family member, neighbor, schoolmate, or a work friend. After we figured out who we'd be singing and where we'd be going, there'd be a brief run-through of songs we'd be singing, then we'd all pile into the van. There was always the noise of excited voices and juggling instruments as we all squish in, clamoring for the best seat. Soon we arrive at the first house and the same sounds would fill the night air as we poured out of the van. We headed towards the house and started singing, Angels We Have Heard On High found our places, and knocked on the door. Me? I'd already found my place in the back, banging on a rhythm, soaking in the joy of it all. We were glad to be doing something fun, and by the look we saw on the faces of all those that opened the door to us, singing beloved Christmas carols seemed to bring joys to others as well.
Star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Singing Christmas carols became a family tradition. Ding, 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 People sing songs of good cheer, Christmas is Songs of the cheer Christmas is Traditions are found worldwide. Some are good, connecting families through traditional celebrations. Others include food and activities. Others may be considered funny or strange. Like, after I did a Google search on traditions and I found a contest held in the UK. It's an annual event held on the Spring Bank Holiday near Gloucester, England. Participants race down the 200-yard long hill after a round of double Gloucester cheese. It's sent rolling down the hill, and everybody runs after it. The first person over the finish line at the bottom of the hill wins the cheese. The competitors are aiming to catch the cheese. However, it is around one second ahead of everybody else and can reach up to speeds of 70 miles per hour. The winner is given the prize of an actual cheese after the competition. Also, I read how in some countries, finding money baked in your food signifies good luck. 
If you ask me, finding a metal coin in my food only sounds like good luck for my dentist. I'm confident families in the Book of Mormon had traditions as well. In fact, the word tradition or traditions appears 44 times in the Book of Mormon. Nothing is mentioned about catching rolling cheese or having tacos on Sunday, finding money in your food or caroling at Christmas time, but we know traditions played a huge part in society of these ancient people. One definition of tradition is repeated rituals that provide a sense of identity and help to tell the story of your family. The traditions we'll talk about today is the tradition of the Lamanites, the other of the Nephites. Interestingly enough, both of these traditions, although seeming to be complete opposites, have been derived from the same event. However, since the event is seen from different perspectives, unfortunately, the traditions we'll talk about aren't funny ones or that will bring luck. Instead, we'll see how traditions of resentment and ire cause great conflict and vast division, which continues generation after generation. You'll remember the event takes place after a long trek through the wilderness and, and a long, difficult trip across the sea. After arriving safely and finally settling in, in the land of promise, the feud between Nephi and the two brothers continue. Amid all this, Father Lehi dies and the rift within the family increases immensely. Nephi's life is threatened. In fact, the plan to kill him is imminent. The Lord warns Nephi and all that would come with him to gather their belongings and flee into the wilderness, separating the family for good. The action of fleeing into wilderness isn't the only problem between the families. In addition, we learn from Zenith years later, it's also what was taken. He tells us, and again, they, speaking of the families of Laman and Lemuel, were wroth with him because he departed into the wilderness and took the records which were engraven on the brass plates, for they said that he had robbed them. In the process of gathering their belongings, among other items, Nephi takes with him the brass plates. Although taking this action was commanded of the Lord, the Lamanite take on the departure of Nephi and his followers is a whole different story. Thus begins the Lamanite tradition of hate towards the people of Nephi. We read a clear definition of what the Lamanite tradition is in Mosiah 10, verses 12 through 15. It says, the tradition of their fathers, which is this, believing that they were driven out of the land of Jerusalem because of the iniquities of their fathers, and they were wronged in the wilderness by their brethren, and they were wronged also while crossing the sea. And again, that they were wronged while in the land of their first inheritance, and his brethren were wroth with him. They were also wroth with him upon the waters. And again, they were wroth with him when they had arrived in the promised land, because they said that they had taken the ruling of the people out of their hands, and they sought to kill him. So, in a nutshell, the tradition of the Lamanites is resentment, anger, and hatred towards the Nephites. Remember, we've defined the word tradition as repeated rituals that provide a sense of identity and help tell the story of your family. In order for repeated rituals of identity to be passed down from one generation to another, those family beliefs would have to be shared in a written history or by word of mouth for the tradition to survive. 
And a good example of this might be handed down like, I don't know, a, a traditional family recipe, let's say. That tradition might be by word of mouth or by personally watching others as they prepare the food. You might say, this is how great grandma's always made the potato salad, so this is how I'm going to make it. Passing on traditions in families can be uplifting and positive as we try to establish who we are and what kind of family we want to create. However, as we think of the conflict between the Lamanites and the Nephites, unfortunately, that tradition of resentment and anger and hatred is not only repeated from one generation to another, but it's as though it's woven into the identity of who they are. So, if you're a Lamanite, you know to hate the Nephites and will do anything you can to destroy their records and plunder their livelihood or disrupt their lives. After all, you've been told your whole life how your family and your people have been lied to, wronged and robbed of your possessions and right to rule. On the other hand, if you're a Nephite, you might feel constantly threatened by the lazy, no good people that love war, taking your stuff and don't have God in their lives. Time to ask ourselves a question. How do such attitudes towards others get implanted into our beings, into the very fiber of our families? I think one of the answers is summed up well in Mosiah 10, 17. It says, and thus they have taught their children that they should hate them, that they should murder them, and that they should rob and plunder them and do all they could to destroy them. Therefore, they have an internal hatred towards the children of Nephi, and they taught their children. One of the ways this tradition of hate is passed down from one generation to another is perpetrated by word and action. In other words, that's the way I learned it. That's the way you'll live it. It's the story of our family. It's tradition. Some traditions are easy to change. Switching up what you eat on Sundays or substituting mayo for mustard in grandma's potato salad isn't a big deal. But making an about face in the way we interact with certain people, now that's asking a lot. Let's bring this a little closer to home. Changing tradition on how we in interact with when it comes to uh, certain relatives. What's the tradition we adhere to when it comes to, let's say, Aunt Sally's side of the family and Uncle Bob's? All you might have heard is, a long time ago, Aunt Sally and Uncle Bob had shared many experiences together. They usually disagreed about how things went down. And after a particularly painful time, one felt threatened, took their things and left. Because of this, the other felt cheated, betrayed, and held a grudge. As the years went by, the families chose their allegiance either with Aunt Sally or Uncle Bob, and things haven't been the same since. As a member of the family, generations later, all you know is that you've been taught we don't talk about that side of the family, visit that side of the family, or even send a card at Christmas time. The Hatfields and McCoys have nothing on your family plight. At times, you might feel yourself questioning why such bad blood is still hanging on after all these years. Well, if you're looking to break the cycle from this kind of negative tradition in families, there is hope. I say this because I remember writing through Mosiah 28 and thinking about the sons of Mosiah. They each had refused taking the rightful place in kingship. Instead, they wanted to preach the gospel to the Lamanites. They didn't want only to teach them about a loving Messiah, 
but wanted to also tackle the ongoing tradition of hate between the Lamanites and their people. Considering how long this feud had been going on, I thought that goal was quite ambitious. We know changing a tradition of how one group of people thought of, talked about, and related to another wouldn't be an easy task. In fact, we know the mission for these young men lasted 14 years. But you know what? We're encouraged because eventually there was some success. We read, and it came to pass that the Lord began to bless them insomuch that they brought many to the knowledge of the truth. Yea, they did convince many of their sins and of the traditions of their fathers which were not correct. Although not all were convinced, the sons of Mosiah were not only able to share the joy of the gospel with the Lamanites, but also brought clarity to a long-time misunderstanding of an event they shared in the past. Traditions can bring people together or tear them apart. We have the power to decide which ones will be passed on. As I conclude, I can't help but think of a great talk I heard about Zoram by David B. Paxman. Brother Paxman talked about and pointed out how Zoram is a great example of how our choices can start good traditions or perpetuate bad ones. As you recall, early in the Book of Mormon, Zoram was a servant of Laban. He was a keeper of the records. We see how Zoram was led to believe, by the way that Nephi was dressed, that he was his master Laban. As Zoram went out of the city with who he thought was Laban, just as he figured things out and turned to run, he was seized by Nephi and had to make a choice. Either, as Brother Paxman perfectly points this out, he says he could see how he becomes a beneficiary of an extraordinary opportunity or become angry and bristle at being physically assaulted and forced to make a decision in unfair circumstances. He had to decide how to see things, grateful or bitter. It's his story to tell. What will be our story? What traditions will define the story of our family? Will we sit back and soak in the joy or side with Aunt Sally or Uncle Bob? It's up to us. It's not important to discover it first. It's more important to discover it for ourselves. Slow pace gives space. Cry.
If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon dash discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.